back with another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast following uh, Saturday night's victory by Purdue over Minnesota, 81-62 at Mackey Arena. A little late getting this thing out. Uh, Really wasn't comfortable driving uh, Saturday night in the conditions when uh, (laughs) the roads were covered with snow and trying to navigate uh, country roads on the way home so I, I I did start out doing a podcast but then I felt my concentration level uh, swinging trying to stay safe number one and keep keeping my vehicle on the road number two and then number three just looking out for other vehicles as well uh, so we're recording this on Sunday afternoon following, actually following the women's game, which uh, Purdue lost another women's game, 80-70, to 70, which, you know, we've, this podcast is not about women's basketball, but just briefly, I think we've reached a point many, many weeks ago, many, maybe many years ago, that this, nothing that happens now with the women's program is really a surprise, whether it's a a one-point win over the last place team, as was the case against Wisconsin, or today a 10-point loss uh, to a Penn State team that plays no defense um, and trailed Purdue by 11 midway through the second quarter uh, and ended up winning by 10 and had a 19-point lead at some point. Uh, in the fourth quarter. So uh, that's when we're recording this. Uh, sticking with uh, men's basketball from Saturday. Uh, another team that was down big but came back. Purdue was down 14 in the first half uh, against Minnesota. Uh, in part because Minnesota was hitting three-pointers from people that normally don't shoot well from three-point range. And that was just a strategy Matt Painter had for the game. And you you can't really disagree with the strategy because you wanted to contain Marcus Carr, which Eric Hunter Jr. did. Uh, you didn't want him going off for 30. So, and you're also concerned about Liam Robbins inside. So, you're going to leave some guys open. You're not going to get able to get out on them uh, as quickly as you needed to. But you're, you're playing the percentages. And you, you play the percentages until... You can't play the percentages anymore. And it would have been curious. We didn't get a chance to ask Painter at what point did he need to flip that. Well, it's just eventually, <coughs> excuse me, eventually those guys that were hitting the three-pointers were not hitting the three-pointers. Um, and that's that's why you put together game plans. That's why you... Um, and that's why you stick with those things because you're confident that those things will happen. Will you come across guys or players that don't shoot the three ball well, but then do shoot the three ball well? Yeah. But can they sustain that over 40 minutes over a game? And Minnesota could not sustain that. And Painter, I wouldn't say he gambled. He just, he stuck with what he felt was the best strategy for Purdue to win this game. And once Purdue got things going offensively, it was able to set its defense a lot better because they were not jacking up shots. They were not giving up long, uh, you know, long misses on three-pointers that were turning into transition baskets. 
So, and you know, and, and Hunter, Eric Hunter did a great job on, on Marcus Carr, and there's just no other way uh, around it. Carr finished two of 13, uh, didn't score in the first half. You know, they didn't, they didn't need him to score in the first half because they, other players were doing it. And Purdue led by five, or Minnesota led by five. So the the big question was whether Marcus Carr would have one of those halves where he carried his team to victory. But when they needed him, when the three point sh- shots from the other players didn't didn't go, and Purdue grabbed the lead, that's when they needed Marcus Carr to step up. And you know, Eric Hunter did, and everybody else just didn't let him do it. Uh, and that's, you know, now when they play in Minnesota in a few weeks, will the, the same thing play out? You know, who knows? The car will probably have a better game. But uh, what will happen to the other players at that point? And will Painter stick with the same strategy? But it, it, it worked on this night, and that's what, you know, you know, you figure something out for the next time. But it, it worked on this night. And again, Purdue's offense got going. Uh, you know, Brandon Newman just had a superb game from an offensive standpoint. 29 points, career high. 21 in the second half. Five of five from three-point range in the second half. Um, he is—he may go down uh, as one of the best catch-and-shoot players in the history of Purdue basketball. Uh, because when he does not hesitate, when he doesn't think about anything, when he's in a position to catch and shoot, and it's all one rhythm, it's fluid, it's smooth, I would say most of the time his shot is going in. Uh, he's got a lot to work on because, uh, you know, teams are going to start to defend him differently. Uh, but he has that about him. He is right now just a, a bona fide solid jump shooter. Now, he can also put the ball on the floor. Uh, he can be really good at transition. But, you know, what he did against Minnesota really took uh, took Purdue to another level. Uh, Purdue needed some three-pointers three to fall. Without Stefanovic uh, not playing against Michigan and not playing Saturday night and, and won't play uh, Tuesday at Maryland, you know, Purdue needed some players to step up and hit the three, and they did. Newman was part of that. Mason Gillis got things going in the second half. By hitting some threes, um, you know, if that guy ever shoots a respectable percentage from three-pointer, three-point land, and we're talking mid to upper 30s, I mean, look out for this offense. I mean, then they have to guard him, and that takes another player away from the post area, and that allows Travion to go more one-on-one, or at least one-on-two instead of having to go one-on-three. Uh, that would just open the floor so much if Purdue could get Mason Gillis or any any of their four players, Aaron Wheeler included, really hitting consistent three-pointers. Uh, you know, who knows what, what, what this offense could do uh, uh, the rest of this year and into next year uh, with, with the talent that's going to be on the floor. Uh, so some pieces are coming together. Uh, for this team and continue to come together for this team. I, I just don't see a regression from the Boilermakers. It, it, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to win every game. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, when I say regression, uh, I'm more talking about, um, 
you know, going on a long losing streak because all of a sudden you, you know, everybody on the team or one, you know, people are taking step steps backward instead of moving forward. They're going to have games, you know. Tuesday night could be one of those games where you get on the road and shots don't go down. The other team is hot and, you know, several things can happen. But I, I just don't see this team getting on any kind of long losing skid. Um, I, I think they've proven they can bounce back quickly from losses. Um, and I think, you know, that they've proven that they can come back during games. I mean, how many times in the Big Ten season have they trailed by double digits? I got the answer for you. Seven. Seven of their 11 games they've fallen behind by double digits. Now, they've come back and won four of those when they've trailed by 11 or more points. And that's, to me, that's a surprising number based on the number of young players that are playing on this team. And and when we say young players, players that don't have a lot of college experience. Uh, You do have Gillis and Newman who have been in the program. This is their second year. But you've got Ivy, uh, Edie, uh, Morton. Uh, and, and Newman, or not Newman, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to say, uh, uh, I wanted to say him twice, but you've got, you've got, you know, players that are doing this for the first time, and and that that's a that's a surprising thing for them to uh, kind of have that moxie about them. Now, I think having the veterans that they have on the team with with uh, Hunter. Uh, you know, Travion, uh, even the experience Isaiah Thompson got last year uh, is coming into play. And, you know, Thompson is a guy that made five free throws yesterday in the game, getting off track here a little bit, made five free throws in the game, but had a big impact on the game because he started the second half uh, and really helped Purdue get off to that good start in the second half and making sure the ball was in the right place. Um, Yes, I mean, he's, his size makes him a liability on defense. There were a couple times he was trying to guard Liam Robbins inside and just uh, just didn't, you know, that's not going to work. But, you know, I think Saturday showed that uh, he has a role on this team and will continue to have a, a role on this team. But the veterans are helping the young guys kind of get through this. And the, and the young guys are talented enough and good enough to kind of fight their way back from these deficits. It's not... Obviously, it's not a situation that you want to continue doing because it will catch up with you at some point, and it may catch up with you at the wrong time. And the wrong time right now for Purdue would be probably in the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament. You just don't want to be, you know, it's one thing to have the confidence to be able to come back from those double-digit deficits, and it's, it's a wonderful thing to have in your memory. When it, when it happens to say, okay, you know, we've done this before, we can do it again. But you just don't want to lean on that. You don't want to, I mean, we've seen Purdue do both. We've seen Purdue go to Indiana and lead basically from start to finish. Uh, so they can do that. Uh, they, they kind of did that against Penn State, even though Penn State came back. So, I, you know, they're gaining a lot of experience. That's why I just don't think they're going to take a step back from a, a losing streak standpoint, I, you know, I think that they, um, they understand 
they've learned to deal with failure. And this was something Matt Painter said about Brandon Newman. It's like he's he's learned to deal with failure, but he's got to learn to deal with success. And it goes with the whole team too. But based on this recent stretch, I would say that Purdue um, has done a very good job of learning to deal with success. You know, winning the number of games they have in this stretch, um, you know, is is a is a part where they they they're starting to to figure some things out who can do what uh when how and then when you get Stefanovic back you have your legitimate three-pointer three-point shooter back on the perimeter um and the guys that played in his place like Ivy and Isaiah Thompson and Brandon Newman um they they're better for the experience and they're going to make the team better um and you know, to be honest, I think this has come together quicker than um, than most of us who cover the team thought it would. Uh, and even if you, you put the true serum in, 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 in the coaching staff, they would I would think that they would agree. I mean they obviously know the upside. they know what the ceiling is for this team and I, um, and but for it to come together the way it has come together, in particular, in this league, in this Big Ten, where it's not—you know—this is not an easy league just to pile up wins. I mean, you have to work for your wins in the Big Ten. This is um, this is a year like no other uh, in the conference, where uh, you know every night is a a battle to. Uh, try to get a win, and and it's it, it's hard for a young team to maybe do that. But you know, I think Purdue. You know, when you look at their young players, I just think they're a team that's kind of um, older than they appear. Um, they're just a team that is. Um, while they have a lot of freshmen and a lot of guys that. That this is their first year, they just seem mature, and kind of the way they they handle themselves is not like a team that is leaning on you know four or five freshmen to carry them in a given game. And you know they do have experience; we all know that. But I, just the way this team handles itself, the way it goes about its business. Um, it's there's just something there's a mature pulse to them that that I maybe I didn't think they would have at this point of the year and you know if they can keep that you know it's going to be this year is going to be a good year it's already a good year it's setting a foundation for what's to come but it also could lead to something uh, unexpected this year from a, a, as you get into the Big Ten tournament. And I can tell you right now that Purdue is going to be one of those uh, dark horse teams that the experts will pick to win the Big Ten because of how they're playing right now. They're, you know, Purdue's not going to win the Big Ten. You know, that's that's going to be decided by some other teams 
Purdue will play a role in the Big Ten, who wins it. But this is, you know, they're, they're going to finish probably in the, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth range. But they're going to they're they're going to get some votes. They're going to get some support to win the Big Ten tournament, based on how they're playing right now. And as long as they keep that up, it'll be it'll be legitimate. You know, I wouldn't as of today, I wouldn't question anybody who would pick big who would pick Purdue uh, to win the Big Ten tournament. Now, saying that they haven't, you know, they didn't beat Iowa. They didn't didn't beat Illinois. Uh, they did sweep Ohio State. They haven't played Wisconsin yet. Um, so there's a, another level of teams in the big 10. They didn't beat Michigan. Uh, there's another level of teams in the big 10 that they still have to prove that they can beat. Um, and you know, those opportunities are now kind of drying up other than Wisconsin later in the year, but you'll still have a very dangerous Michigan state team coming into Mackey arena. But Purdue has a chance to put itself in a position where, you know, considering them a candidate to win the Big Ten tournament is not out of the picture. Doesn't mean they will, but, you know, I think as of today, that would, that would be a, a, fair, um, a fair thing to maybe expect from this team. And I do think they'll continue to to push forward and move forward and not regress and be in a position where they're going to have a chance uh, to do that uh, coming up uh, sometime in March, assuming there is a Big Ten tournament, uh, assuming they can play the full schedule, assuming all these all these things that are that need to be assumed. But anyway, it was uh, probably missed a few things from the game. Uh, that that you're wondering about. I, I thought the turning point in the game, and wrote about it a little bit, was the technical foul on on Trey Williams, not Purdue's Trey Williams, but Minnesota's Trey Williams. Robinson late late in the first half had just dunked. Uh, he screamed something, um, whether they got him from taunting or or whatever, but he screamed something, and it led to two free throws on the technical. You know, Purdue got the ball back. They got a tip in. Instead of being down eight or nine points. They were only down five, and then the second half unfolded the way it did. Um, you know, Minnesota had a chance to put 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 a stranglehold on that game uh, late in the first half and didn't do it, and left an opening for Purdue. And Purdue took advantage. <coughs> Excuse me, and you saw and you you saw the you know you know the outcome by now. Anyway, appreciate you stopping by. Uh, just a quick note. Just found out a few minutes ago that uh, Purdue's game Tuesday, which was originally scheduled for 8 o'clock, will now be played at 6.30 Eastern time at Maryland on BTN. So, so make a note of that, 6.30 Tuesday, uh, BTN, and then Purdue's back in action Saturday at Mackey Arena against Northwestern at 4.30 uh, p.m. So th- that's the upcoming week for uh, uh, Purdue. Uh, don't know if we'll have any kind of football signing uh, day festivities uh, because of the February signing period coming up. You know, Purdue's got three transfers. Uh, football does uh, so far. I, you know, I think they'll add more. Uh, and as you know by now, spring ball is going to be starting February 19th. So, you know, we'd hope to have some availability 
with with uh, Coach Jeff Brom, the new assistants, uh, as we move closer to the start of uh, spring practice. But uh, they they don't really um, how should I put this? It's not a priority for them uh, to involve us in. Uh, in some of their activities or allowing you to get to know uh, what uh, what the new coaches are about or insight into the new players that they're going to have uh, on the roster. That's unfortunate, but that's just kind of the way it works. Anyway, appreciate you stopping by. I hope you stayed safe during the, the snowstorm. Uh, if you were in the, the Indiana area, the Midwest, and... Uh, and we'll be back uh, after Tuesday's game at Maryland to to recap what happened in College Park. Uh, until then, uh, have a good day, and thanks for stopping by.